Without a cool accessory, a cool Zoom accessory. God damn it! That's sick. Rachel has her Lauren Manugian neck pillow. Noah has this cool hat. Yeah, Noah, what's that hat? You know, did this, you make that? No, this is one of the only things I have that's like it's. This was my grandfather's hat. Wow. It's just an old wool rag. He was like a Maine lobsterman. It's not like a super sentimental thing, but it's the closest thing I have to like a, you know, inheritance. family heirloom. Yeah, inheritance. It's all he left me. <laughs> and he didn't even leave it to me. He actually literally left it at our house one day and I took it. <laughs> it's very on brand that your family heirloom is like a rollable wool hat. <laughs> yeah. So sick. Yeah. I think he was probably pissed and wanted it back and then he died. So he's not going to get it now. Speaking of heirlooms, I have a I have an appointment at Studs later to go get a diamond implanted in my forehead. <laughs> I'll let you guys know how it goes. Is Studs a real place? Yeah, Studs is like the millennial Claire's, Gen Z Claire's. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Claire's was the Gen Z. Like Claire's had the, it was for millennials, but it had that Gen Z attitude. So I should tell everyone that this is episode one hundred and twenty-one of Corporate Lunch. Does anyone want to check the numbers? Does anyone want to run that? It is, it is 121. I finally figured it out before we started recording. And um, very, very special episode that will have a special guest. Um, should I say who the guest is? No? It'll be in the title That's of the episode, so yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be a surprise cool. to anyone. Um, Aaron Lee Tastian will be calling in uh, momentarily. And um, if... If that name sounds familiar, it's because he's a famous rock star, but also because he's a sibling to one of the hosts of this podcast. He's my brother. It's Sam's. <laughs> Sam's, it's Sam's actually, twin, the twin yeah, that we're always talking brother. about. Uh, just to clarify one really basic thing that please don't cringe, but Aaron spells his name slightly differently than Rachel, right? Yeah. But it's said the same. He doesn't like yeah. have a different pronunciation no he he took all the letters you skip out of our name yeah which frankly everyone should do i know like there should be no h in noah or johnson <laughs> there should be no h's period yeah were, you, were your parents upset when he dropped some letters no not at all they understood everyone has to understand extraneous letters must go especially if you're going to be famous sam ein <laughs> that's your rock star name yeah that's true sam i'm aaron's gonna call in from nashville aaron lee alt that's extremely cool have yeah. we had someone call from nashville before probably yeah, i don't think so 
Has Jason been on the podcast? Yeah, I was just going to say, has Jason Isbell ever been on? Probably not. No. We, I guess we would remember that, but it seems like something he would have done. Shout out to him. <laughs> I know. I can't believe Aaron beat him to the pod. Yeah, Jason submitted a vibe Damn. for episode 100. Yeah. But he's never called yeah. in. You know, he's part of the family, so it sort of feels like he's always here with us. Because this is Olive Garden. That's right. Unlimited breadsticks and Jason Isbell's there. Damn, Olive Garden sounds tight. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any fashion news to get off your plate before Aaron calls in? Because we don't want to... Uh... I just want to go back for a minute to the the diamond in Lil Uzi Vert's head. Oh, because point. I just... I felt like I woke up three times at least last night and was like, Lil Uzi Vert has a diamond <laughs> in his head. And I couldn't... I mean, does the skin grow around the diamond? I mean, how does this work does anyone i don't know we should ask aaron yeah what's up hello good morning good morning morning. welcome to corporate lunch thanks you guys thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to be here you look great oh thank you i hey listen i have i brought multiple hat choices i didn't know (laughs) that's good i mean i've you know well, we wow. Saw, wow, that's that a nice. good, that really good brim. And cool. I love the. Yeah. Sort of, right. yeah. Maybe it's I'll go Keith, with this. It's Keith Richards from the front. And then from the side, it's like a, a woman who works at a department store in 1959. Perfect for <laughs> me. Yeah. I like the first hat best, though, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's that go back one was that really one. cool. Good hats figured, one in the family. Know, this is good. I mean, we start, um, as you may not, may or may not know, we start every episode of this podcast by talking about everyone's hair, which mostly ends up being about Sam Hines' hair. Um, even though arguably Rachel and I both have better hair than Sam Hines, he's just slightly more popular, so it tends. But anyway, um, your hair looks great you, and the hats all look great. What do you do? Do you cut your own hair? Do you have like a go-to spot in Nashville where you go for regular trims? I I did um, actually. My partner Erica um, is is handy with a pair of scissors, so she'll cut my hair for me on occasion That's if I really cool. ask the right way. Do you go into it with like a vision for like what what it's going to look like, or is it just like do something different, change change me up? Yeah, um, no, yeah, I keep an open mind, you know, with my haircuts for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we were just we were just talking about um, before you called in about uh, Lil Uzi Vert's diamond implant in his forehead. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Twenty twenty four million dollar diamond or something like that. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Is that is that something you would ever consider? You know, um, getting as, <laughs> maybe as not part in of your the, stage bling. Maybe not in the forehead, but um, yeah, I could maybe I could I you know what I'd love to it's just a, maybe an eye patch that has a nice diamond inserted over it so that it was removable for me because I you know I I don't know that I would want to commit to to that full time. Also much less likely to become infected um or like I keep thinking about the forehead diamond like like when he's sleeping or something and like knocking at it like hitting it or or rolling over onto it. I don't know. Yeah. He probably doesn't sleep face down necessarily, but there just seems like a lot of, you know, putting a hat on and then taking it off real quick, forgetting that there's a diamond implanted in your forehead and then you have a hole in your forehead and you've lost a $24 million diamond. Well, I figured out, I think I figured out how he actually got it implanted in his forehead because he used to have 
back when I, when I first interviewed him like three or four years ago, he had two piercings in his forehead, sort of right um, in like, like vertically down his forehead. And there was a bar that had two, you know, that sort of stuck out through these two holes. And so I think the diamond is just, is, is stuck through this like vertical piercing in his forehead with like a bar behind it that sort of attaches. It's sort of, sort of hard to explain, but he posted a photo of it last night of, it, of the piercing like bleeding down his face. Um, and that's what I wrote, because there was some speculation that maybe it was like he got a magnet implanted in his forehead and then it was like uh. stuck onto the magnet. But I think it's just like a bar piercing down through his forehead. That's horrifying. So he's been working towards this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Diane word music video come to life. Well, Aaron, as a, Aaron is a, uh, as a musician and a performer, much like Lil Uzi Vert, what, and, and one who has a new album out imminently. Today. Today. When this comes out. Not today, but the Not day today, that- tomorrow. 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 Wow, congratulations. It's called Tastion, 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 is that right? That's it. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. I realized because we got, you know, we got the advanced link and then like listened and enjoyed, but it didn't, I didn't get all the metadata with the, never mind. I didn't, doesn't matter. But um, so when you make a new album, this album is also important because I think the cover art features you wearing a sweater vest that says Tastion, Tastion, Tastion on it. Is that, a real, is that a real garment or is that just a trick of the old? Is that a computer right. trick? It's a, it's re, I've actually made it. Yeah. Um, and, um, I had, I, I had to go, I had to go to, um, a wonderful, uh, little old lady in, uh, I think it was Missouri, Kansas city, Missouri to make those, those letters. Um, she custom handmade the letters for me and sent them to me in the mail. Um, and then we got out the old Singer sewing machine and, and sewed them on there. Um, so yeah, we actually made it. Um, and, and I've worn it, I wear it all the time to the grocery store, just, you know. It's good promotion. It's like, remember when Macy Gray went to the <sighs> Grammy, well, I think it was the Grammys and she was like, the wore that dress, my album is dropping, here's yeah. the name. It's perfect. Absolutely. Wait, which came first, the sweater vest or the album title? Um, I guess the album title, I guess the album title came for, well, everybody kept saying it, it should be a self-titled album. Um, so, but I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't resist the, the temptation to invoke Jan Brady in my records. So <laughs> I, I, I had to do my own version of it, which was where I came up with the Tastion, Tastion, Tastion thing. But as soon as, as soon as I came up with the idea for the exclamation points at the end, then I knew it had to be a sweater vest. Yeah. Good point. As well. And why? Can you sorry, but can you explain the reasoning why everyone said it should be a self-titled album? Is there an obvious reason for that that I don't know about? I, I no, I wouldn't say so. It, you know, it's just music industry um, people weighing in um, as they as they tend to do from time to time. So. Is that like a sense when people are like, Aaron, it's time, it's time to do the self-titled album. You're ready for it. Like, is that the vibe? Like, you've you've earned it. You're there. You need 
You need to have one and now's the moment for it. I guess so, yeah. And you're both on like either sides of a really, really big boardroom table and there are 30 <laughs> chairs at the table, but only four yeah. of you in the room. Right, exactly. Everyone's got Pellegrino. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's the music industry now, so there's also like desks and ch with chairs on top of them, like just in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and this was your first um, your first self produced album too, right? Yeah, um, I I had uh, produced a, uh, two other records um, before this, um, but um, this is my first time producing myself, um, which was, which was really fun to do, uh, actually, and took a little bit of convincing with the label, um, to, um, get that. Well, actually it didn't take any convincing cause I just did it without telling them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, You're like, I found this amazing new producer. Check out yeah. his work. <laughs> I can, I convinced myself to do it um, behind their back, I guess. No, um, but no, they were cool. Um, they they just sort of didn't really see me as a producer. But when I sent them a few of the tracks that I'd started, they were like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. Yeah, keep going. So they're like, damn, these slap. You, you may continue. <laughs> you may continue self-producing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like, us. That's like how we started this podcast. We didn't tell Kanye West. We just started doing it. <laughs> sure, they didn't see true. us as podcasters either, but um, we sent them a couple episodes. They were like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to ask uh, forgiveness than permission, right? That's right. Yeah, of course. True. Do you want to tell us a little bit of like the story of this album? Like, like were these all new songs you wrote? And what was like this kind of time frame here of the making of it? And um you live in Nashville, right? And I, mm -hmm. I assume you've been kind of, you've been there for the last year um, based on circumstances. So is this like, is this the work of the last year of life in Nashville without, um, you know, in, in uh, 2020 or what's the backstory of the album? Yeah, we, f we finished it um, at the, at the very beginning of 2020, uh, the recording oh. process actually. Um, and then mix started mixing the album in, in April. Um, so it was in a way it was, it was nice because, um, it was sort of something to, to take my mind off the fact that I was coming to terms with the idea that, um, you know, we probably weren't going to be going on tour at all, um, for the foreseeable future. Um, which is, you know, kind of crazy for a lot of people, a lot of artists like me, like I make my living on the road, you know, I, I, at the very least play like 150 shows a, a year, every year. And, wow. and so I'm, I'm always out there doing it. Um, the record itself, um, I started recording it, um, at the end of 2018, actually, which sounds like a long time to work on a record, but the truth of the matter is I would just sort of go out. We had um, really great um, and crazy weird tours for us to be on. We toured with <laughs> Social Distortion for a while. We toured with wow. Cheap Trick for a while. Um, but I would go out basically and just write songs like on tour with these bands and then come home and, and call my friend Greg Latimer up and say, hey, man, I have like three songs. Can I come over to your house tomorrow and record them? Um, and just kind of call up people from, from here in the neighborhood to come play on it. Um, which was really fun too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the main difference probably in this record and a lot of the ones um, that I've done up to now is I think like, you know, um, lyrically my work has always been sort of like observational kind of like, you know, 
Mark Twainy in that sense of like, there's me, I'm, I'm definitely in there. Um, but it's, it's definitely coming from a more observational place. Whereas when I finished, I recorded 22 songs for this record, but the 11 that I ended up choosing, um, I just sort of realized like those were the ones where I was really singing, like, you know, um, personally things that had come like right out of my life pretty much so i think that was maybe some of the impetus for like a, a the self-titled album or whatever is just that the record seemed to have a more personal tone to it well it also seems like it has a, a different like the style the styles that you're exploring in this album seem a lot different like and it's stuff that you you know because you've toured with all these kinds of different bands and played with lots of different bands like there was, you know, so my brother was, uh, he played with the New York Dolls when they reunited about a decade ago and also was one of the founders of this band, Semi Precious Weapons, um, which was kind of, I guess, like a glam revival band in the like early 2000s, like right after the strokes when everyone was like, rock and roll bands are coming back. Um, and Lady Gaga opened for you guys, yeah. opened for you. <laughs> but. Uh, I was kind of surprised when I like when you were first sending me the tracks from this album that this had like some of that flavor of those kinds of like you know uh, glammy kind of pop, super poppy like shimmery kind of music. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there was there was definitely there's definitely some of that on there for sure. I mean, but also like just weird. It's kind of like a weird combination of of things, kind of, because like I really love like the ELO records from the '80s, um, like a song like "Secret Lives," which is just like the most '80s sounding thing in the world when you put it on. Like it's it sounds like the theme music for like an a sitcom show or something when it comes <laughs> on, but then it has this incredible pop chorus that it goes into. Um, so like kind of combining like that with like the, the very first Rodney Crowell record, um, which I know seems kind of like a pickle and peanut butter sandwich, but like the first Rodney Crowell record is actually really amazing if you've never heard it before. And the opening track on that record is a song called Here Comes the 80s, which is an <laughs> incredible song. Um, I don't know, like where the 80s-ness um, sort of like came from, other than like, I guess, you know, I mean, I was born in the 80s, so <laughs> maybe that has something to do with it. I'm, I'm like returning to my, in the scene of my birth or something, I don't know. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it kind of, uh, it kind of weirdly like, also like the, those Primal Scream records that came out in the 80s, if you've ever listened to the acoustic songs on those, um records like they're so psychedelic like they sound mm -hmm. like outtakes from like magical mystery tour or something mm -hmm. like that um which i which i absolutely love so it's like it's sort of like it's it's sort of like you know influences that are sort of like filtered through like this weird i don't know like just place in my mind where <laughs> i'm like combining all these like strange things for some reason but it's really like I'm just trying to keep myself interested, you know, in, in the work because like, you know, the more, the more interested I feel like I am, like the more interesting, like it is, you know, like, or the, I guess the more, the most interest is interesting people are like the most interested people, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, it to me, it sounds not having spent too much time with it, but there's such, such a range, like a stylistic range. And I definitely picked up on the eighties thing 
also some night i was i've been for like months listening to the tom petty album wildflowers like yeah a ton and i sort of heard some like petty in there and then i felt like there's a little bit of these like really obvious references you named like cooler things but my (laughs) my range of references is pretty simple but harry nilsson also just in a bit of a um like the tone a little bit and there's like a kind of a playful quality but i want to ask like do you feel like total freedom to stylistically experiment and do whatever you want? Or do sort of have this idea that like, if you're in Nashville and you're a certain type of artist and you want to have a career and make albums and tour, you kind of need to like fit in a box. You need to be a little more straightforward about your mission. And I was going to say like fit in a box or something. Not that I expected this to be like a country album or something necessarily, but I just wonder like, what do you feel like is your like a stylistic range or freedom, um, to do what you want. I mean, it seems like with this album, you really went there, but. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had to, you know, yeah, you kind of have to work up to something like that, I think, Um, or at least I felt like I did. I did start, you know, my my path uh, when I started was more what I would just sort of say um, is, is, uh, you know, a natural fit, you know, for the East Nashville scene, which was something that was, what what people would would really consider like Americana, you know, or almost like alt country kind of, you know, um, and I, you know, that was that was done purposefully, really, because when I first moved to Nashville, I moved to town to uh, join a band, actually, um, and the band very quickly went on hiatus when I got to town. So I made this record of my songs, but I almost made it like. I could sh- I could show people what I can do on guitar on this record. Like it could almost be like you know a <laughs> like a, a musical business card for me or something. Yeah. And I was pl- I got asked to open a, a show at the Basement East, and I was playing one of the songs off the off the record just by myself. And Ann Powers from NPR started tweeting about it. <laughs> and, and 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 then I played and then like a, like literally like two weeks later. I played this show at the five spot um, opening for this songwriter named John Moreland. Um, And everybody, every label in town came to see John Moreland. Um, But uh, like somehow they, they heard me and like, I ended up, they ended up offering me a record deal, you know? So it, it wasn't even, you know, um, you know, necessarily like my intention to, to go down this path. But once I got there, once there was the opportunity, once people were handing me a budget and saying, you know, here, go make a record, it, I felt like I had to figure out what the full breadth of what I could do was and ex- and explore that because, like, I didn't know if I was going to get another chance to make another record. You know, you just don't know, really. Um, so, you know, in that way, like, I really did try to push myself to, to, to find out, you know, who I um, you know, could be. Um, and that's, that's really more of what it is, I think, is finding out who you can be than finding out who you are. Because as an artist, like, if, if you're really doing it right, you won't be the same artist 10 years from now that you are today, you know, so it's about making space for that to, to exist. And, and, um, you know, this, this record um, definitely felt like a, a step forward in that process, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to see, um, to catch you playing an acoustic show in February. Um, oh, yeah. And I think John Moreland was on the, was on the set too. 
Yeah. And, um, and you're such an engaging and compelling performer. And what's your, what's your vibe on, um, being able to tour behind this album or support it with, with some live shows? I mean, like, what are people in Nashville thinking about the music industry sort of coming back and tours starting back up? Um, is there, is it, are people feeling pretty optimistic at this point or is it still sort of like a holding pattern and no one really knows things are not being planned out? What are people talking about? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, we have a tour booked in November that, you know, we don't really know if that's going to be able to happen at this point or not. But fascinatingly, people are just kind of playing shows. I mean, you know, they're doing it, you know, socially distanced and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, people are playing indoor um, shows and kind of going for it, um, which I'm not really sure that 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 I that I feel like that's the, the way forward. I think, um, you know, at, at this point, you kind of have to, um, you know, uh, do what is best for the whole of, of the industry coming back, um, which, you know, means that people are going to have to, you know, make choices to, you know, do things that lower the chances of, of getting the virus um, if we want to go back to having chosen clubs again and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the tone is, is you know, you, you hope that uh, we get to a, a place where that's possible sooner rather than later because, you know, I mean, we've also seen a lot of these places that we used to play uh, kind of shutting down over the course of, of this, um, which has been, um, yeah, it's sort of distressing to watch. Um, although we've also seen some of them be able to open up new places, you know, as well. So, you know, it's, it's like anything, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a process, um, to do this right. Um, but you do hope that, uh, people will sort of come around to, to the idea of that. Um, because, um, you know, I, I think without it, uh, you know, without, doing the pro the things that everybody needs to do, um, you know, to make, to make the world a safer place right now. Um, you know, we're, we are looking at probably not touring again this year. Um, and, and that's, that's just tough because, you know, we can do these things online, which are great. Um, and, and you can still, you know, interact with people and, sh and show them new music and, and, um, you know, and present yourself in ways that you wouldn't normally do at a show and be creative with it, which is amazing. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, there's no substitution for going to a concert, you know, and that's really what we've seen, like, you know, because I think across the music industry, like live streaming is not, um, the audience isn't reacting the same way to live streaming that they have to going to concerts, you know? So the, the money, uh, you know, that would be there for, for a concert is definitely, you know, not there for, for a live stream across the board. So, you know, in, in that, in that way, it, it does feel important to, to get back to it, you know, um, as soon as we can, just because, you know, like for me, I really treasure the, the feeling of going to concerts. Like i I want future generations to be able to do that too, you know? Did you, was there a calculation or how did you guys plan the timing of this? I mean, was there thought of like, we should wait another six months? I mean, I guess that could just go on and on. And I'm sure everyone was just eager to get it out there and people are definitely listening to music, but how did you guys kind of work through that? I mean, you know, we had, you have to plan this stuff pretty far in advance. Yeah. So we had planned this release before 
um, the pandemic hit and um, we honestly, we were really hopeful that Biden would win um, and that, um, you know, there would be a, uh, you know, a mood of, of um, <laughs> we're glad to be rid of the other guy <laughs> and, and that that would feel like, you know, a good time to put out new music, fresh start, um, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but obviously um, what has happened <laughs> uh, is, is something that you can't plan for. Um, and, and so, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of just offering the music as, you know, in the, in the spirit of like, Hey man, if this helps right now, like this is, you know, we're doing this and, you know, because it is, it's hard, you know, like I had to do some interviews like right after January 6th happened, you know, and it was really hard, like to even just focus on like doing an interview. And that's what a lot of my interviews at that time ended up being about was just like, how difficult it is to try and like talk about my Americana CD in the face of like, you know, what's happening in the world right now. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's just being aware of that. And, and so the expectation is much more of like, man, if this is something that could help people, like, that's great. But like, you know, we're certainly not expecting to end up on the like cover of Rolling Stone tomorrow or whatever. Um, yeah. How did you, um, Although, wait, I just did want to bring up uh, the fact that you posed in a wedding dress on, was it East Nashville Magazine? Was that yeah, it? the East Nashvilleian, it's called. Yeah. yeah, and it was like exactly like our Pharrell cover, but like four years before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so how did you like develop, I mean, our parents have always been really interested in clothes, but they never were interested in the clothes that either of us wore. Uh, they always thought we dressed terribly, but uh, <laughs> they were wrong. Um, how did you develop your sense of style? Um, yeah. And, what, and you know. also, I'm curious. Like, sorry to interrupt you. I just like yeah. I I just remember when your first album came out, you had put you'd bought these like suits and covered them and like glitter and in like mirror like mirror sequins and all that kind of thing and I remember thinking that was so cool because a lot of like a lot of uh I mean especially that uh, that album was like very Americana mm -hmm. a lot of musicians kind of in that space aren't super interested in fashion I mean now over the past like four or five years they have gotten more so but I just remember thinking like oh that's pretty cool that like Aaron is like developing a look for this album um, and it seems like you've done that for each of the two albums after that, but you also, of course, have like your own personal style. Anyways, I was just wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, as far as like my own style, um, a lot of it is just images like throughout my life that have like captured me. I mean, the wedding dress thing, like you know, I was just thinking of like Dennis Rodman the whole time, like, you know, like I, cause I loved that, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, obviously the Chicago Bulls were like, you know, amazing, but also just like Dennis Rodman, like was amazing all on his own in so many different ways. But um, yeah, I loved, I loved um, 
him in a wedding dress. Um, so yeah, I think that's where that kind of came from. But yeah, a lot of it is just is stuff like that. You know, I was obsessed with like, when we, you know, my parents would take us sometimes to like record stores and stuff like that, so that we could like spend our allowance money um, all in one go. And I loved, I loved buying CDs, obviously, but like, I also bought like, I remember one time I bought this incredible, like, big giant um full color um picture book of oasis like just like at awards shows and having a beer at the pub and whatever but you know <laughs> they were all dressed at the time in like this these amazing like giant leather parka coats and like you know had these like great like sort of irish wool caps on and stuff like that and like a lot of I, I wear a lot of stuff like that now so like i think you know a lot of it is just like definitely things that were implanted in my mind, um, you know, like as a kid that, that just stuck with me. And then like, also, you know, as, as I, you know, like was growing up like in New York, you know, um, that had a big influence on me because, you know, it with, in semi-precious weapons, like we had these, these two amazing guys named Tommy Cole and Roy Carez, um, who had their own clothing line called This Old Thing at the time, although now I think it's called Alter, and they have a couple of stores um, in uh, Brooklyn. Um, but um, they used to make all the clothes that we would wear on stage <laughs> for us, and a lot of times they would be these uh, very elaborate collaborations that Justin had ideas for um, that, that who was our lead singer. Um, and he would sort of, so I got to watch them create these amazing outfits by hand too. Um, and, and that was really cool. And then, you know, also, you know, Rachel, I've learned a lot from um, just reading your work and um, following you and, and reading all your guys' work and, and following you guys. Um, so, you know, I think like, I think that's a part of the process too, um, or at least has been for me is that kind of process of like educating myself on, on um, you know, what the things are that I like and, and trying to find out why I like them and stuff like that. Do you, I, I would imagine if it were me and I had a new record coming out, I would like to um, <laughs> kind of, uh, I guess, like cultivate a sort of look to go with it, like an idea and not just like, and maybe it's as simple as like, this is the jacket. I mean, obviously you have, a, you have this um, very remarkable and iconic garment on the cover, which we've discussed, but like, I feel like, you know, you associate artists with a look that goes with the time, like. True. I always love Nirvana, for instance. And I can like associate a certain Kurt Cobain look with Bleach and then with Nevermind and then with the New York and so on. You know what I mean? And so I just wonder, um, obviously that's probably not something you do consciously, but do you feel it happening? Do you have a sense of like, there's a new album and there is a new look for Aaron coming out at the same time? Definitely. And I mean, it can literally start with like being at the Dollar Tree and just seeing some like fabulous $2 pair of glasses that like look like something a grandmother would wear and just buying them and like wearing them to record in because like that's what I'll do a lot of times like I'll just start wearing stuff like to the studio that like that I think I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's not a conscious thing, but it, maybe in some ways it feels like I'm I'm inhabiting like, cause I'm trying to do ultimately do something that I haven't done before when I'm recording, 
um, a record. So I'm trying to inhabit a new space. And so maybe, maybe feeling physically like I'm doing that, um, you know, as part of that process for me, but, um, yeah, each, each record, um, has found like, yeah, a specific visual element. Like on the last record, I had this, I actually have it right here. Um, I had this hat made, um, um, which is, which was really fun to do. And, and I just, I took a picture of my eye with my phone and I sent it to them and, and they tried to get like some of the coloring of my eye in there. Um, but, um, you know, so that was kind of like a, you know, like each, has had like a, a I guess sort of a visual centerpiece like my sister was saying the first record Silver Tears we took this I, I had gone thrift store shopping and just found this old green suit and just covered the whole thing in mirrored sequins um, just because I thought it would look <laughs> cool to go outside and <laughs> in a suit covered in mirrored sequins and we went to this airfield and and took a bunch of pictures and and it was it was really fun because the sunshine was like you know, popping off all the sequins and stuff like that. Um, so I just, you know, I like things that feel like the music that I'm making, um, you know, to, to become like a part of the look of the, of the record. Um, it just kind of helps like sort of, yeah, I don't know, maybe solidify the whole thing in some way for me, or just make me feel like, you know, like I have an intention um, because I think like sometimes like, you know, art is one of those things where you can like, you can let your mind wander off in any sort of direction and like, you know, probably do something, you know, but I think this, I think stuff that's intentional, like has a much better chance of, of speaking to somebody. That used to be like, to Noah's point, like that used to be such a big part of the record industry. You know, like sure. that was like, I remember growing up, I was obsessed Think about with Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson. I was going to say Janet Jackson. She would no, do yeah. the same Definitely. thing where like there were these like, okay, Janet is like, this is the look. And then, you know, like each album had its own kind of, um, and even like some, you know, Britney Spears did the same thing where she would kind totally. of, you know, uh, morph with each album. And obviously Madonna did that as well. Mm. Um, that's such a cool part of music history. I, I love that. Yeah. I'm like, I miss, I miss that, um, you know, um, about, about music. It's like seeing, you know, what the new video was going to look like, like yeah. what they were wearing. And like, like that was exciting to me to like tune in and like find out it was part of the anticipation of a new record, I think. Um, but, you know, like we've, you know, in our, in our own way, I think, you know, uh, like we tried to sort of recreate some of the, you know, feeling of that. Like we did this trilogy of music videos this time where like there, it, it's kind of like Star Wars. Like it's sort of this overarching story that gets told through um, three different single releases from the record, um, you know, but like it was, it was even hard, like to sort of explain to people <laughs> <laughs> what we were doing with that because I think like even music videos you know at this point are such a like sort of thing of the past really you know it's kind of like difficult to like explain to to people who didn't have like the same kind of experience of like watching MTV or whatever you know when they were a kid of like you know what that feels like so it's interesting now um but you know it's still like I still I still love doing it because um you know especially especially like 
um, you know, at a time where, where people aren't really like, you know, going way out of their way to make like, you know, amazing like music videos. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of, it's the perfect time for it. Cause like everybody's home, like watching their computers. Mm-hmm. So like, why not try to give people something kind of glamorous to watch if you can, you know? Wait, don't we have a question queued up for Aaron? Did, was this, did the transmission come through? Yeah, Aaron, do you, do you have a, do you have a personal Mount Rushmore of, of stylish musicians? I mean, you mentioned the, the Gallagher brothers, obviously. Gosh, um, uh, are you guys, do, do, you, are, do you guys know who Sister Rosetta Tharp is? Yeah. Like, have you ever seen that video of her, like, at the train station and the, like, the white, the cape and the, I mean, like, man, she, like, she, she could, she could dress uh, really, really well. Um, are you, are you familiar with Miles Davis's wife, Betty Davis, at all? Yeah. She, she, yeah. Rachel is. She's, 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 she's pretty, she's pretty phenomenal. Um, uh, I'll say this, this one, this, I I like this one because she's just like always known like exactly who she is. And I feel like has expressed it like so perfectly, but Joan Jett. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, um, Bowie, I mean, for sure, like he just, you know, always, I mean, talk about what we were just speaking about, which is like having, having a look for like every, every record. I mean, I think it's amazing now, like you see these memes, like like Bowie memes and like, they're just pictures of him, but like, you know, exactly what album it is. Like, as soon as you see the photograph of him, it's kind of amazing. Um, is that five already? I don't want to like over, overdo it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll see. So yeah, I'll do my, my, my last one. My last one is, is, is a really simple one, but I, but I do think like for hit for what he does, like he just nails it, which is John Denver. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sleeper like, hit. He's got, he's got some amazing knitwear, you know, that has mm-hmm. like, you know, beavers sewn onto the front of it and wow. the smiling never... beavers and wow. stuff like that. I'm going to look this up. Going to have to update my mood board now with John Denver. John Denver. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's, he's pretty great. And, and I mean, Aaron, the, the real reason we wanted to have you on the podcast um, was so that you, we, could, we could ask you questions about Rachel as a child. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the people are dying to know. Um, no, but what, uh, I, I, what, how did Rachel dress when, when, she was, she, when she was younger? How, what was, I mean, you guys obviously, um, Rachel, Rachel sort of mentioned that you guys had your own little world of style that your parents didn't really understand. Um, but were you guys, like, what was your guys' relationship with clothing and, and um, were you kind of like egging each other on a little bit? Um, how did that, how did that sort of work when you were younger? When did I, you, when did you first realize that there was something different about Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, the, cl- the clothing, we did love to get dressed up and Rachel had a pretty amazing stuff. Like I seem to remember like a, like some sort of like sparkling tutu, um that uh that she had like especially when we were younger um but of course like we also had the um like our parents had like kept all of their like old 
clothes like and had them all in the sort of guest room closet or whatever so you could really go in there and and you know my dad had his old like vietnam uniform in there which you could you know put on or whatever uh, but there were all sorts of great things to wear um but yeah rachel rachel was um always pretty much always dressed in something amazing um there were um there were uh american girl dolls around um <laughs> You know, um, those were super happening, um, and uh, and horses too. Um, she was a very prolific writer. Actually, she wrote like she was always writing short stories. I remember like even one time, like my uh, I think it was like our our godparents or somebody, but like one of our guests was like so delighted with Rachel's story. Like they had to read, they read it out loud to the entire like dinner table. They made everybody at the dinner table like be quiet so they could like read Rachel. Rachel was probably like, I don't know, maybe like nine at the time or something <laughs> like that. And so they like forced everyone to like shut up and like read the story and it had like these amazing details in it. Um, I remember there was a hot dog stand involved. Um, <laughs> um, but it, you know, it was, it was very clear like that. Um, she was like the smartest person in our family and, and the coolest person in our family. Um, you know, pretty, that was, that was pretty evident, um, to me. Um, so, you know, I, I think like our, our relationship, um, was definitely like one that, uh, developed over time, but like we had, we had amazing, we had amazing things that we would do like on long car rides, like family vacations. Like we would make up these characters um, who um, like some of them made albums. Um, like we had these, these two, these two, the, we had these uh, characters. Um, one's name was Jeanan and the other one's name was Jobbit. And it was like the Jeanan and Jobbit show kind of you know but they would like yeah they had these they had these songs that were like loosely based off of um songs that we'd seen in like those time life commercials so like we had we had a song that was based off of um um what's the um the duet that joe cocker does love uh, love lift us up where we belong Yes, that yeah. was the one. Yeah, we had like a whole we had a whole song off of our album that was based on that song. Um, but yeah, it was like Rachel was a great partner because she was super creative. You know what I mean? So like any weird thing that like I ever came up with, like she was always like game to play along. So, you know, we definitely had our share of like sibling fights and stuff like that, too. Um, but I would say overall, it was actually pretty cool because we were both just sort of really weird kids. Um, but we, but we kind of like lucked out that like we sort of had each other in a lot of ways, you know? I didn't frankly know that people as cool as either of you came from Delaware. Um, <laughs> I just, I just want to say that just that alone to me, I'm just incredibly proud of both of you. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. I've, yeah. There, yeah. Oh, Delaware, you know, they, they, they sure did ratify that constitution. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I think I'm going to name my first two, my, my first two children, Jeanan and Jobbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible names. Also would be a good name for like a custom shirt maker, like a little bit, like if you were to launch kind of like a high-end bespoke, like kind of 
English style clothier of some sort, that Jinan and Jobbit could be a good. Absolutely. Jobbit and Sons. Yeah. Definitely. He's got some sons for sure. Are we going to attempt 13 vibes on this episode of this? I think we should. This 101st episode of Corporate Lunch featuring Aaron Lee Tashjian, who is. Um, has an album out today that um, will make you dance and make you cry and make you um, excited to go see Aaron on tour when that happens. I don't know what else it'll do. Aaron, what's the best outcome? Um, the best outcome, I think, is like some like eight-year-old kid who hasn't even thought about it, hears the record and decides to start playing guitar and then like writes an album that like blows us all out of the water in 10 years. All right. Hell yeah. Great. That's <laughs> away when up walks this girl who saves my life With love that cuts like the rainbow knife I got a feminine wall I got a feminine woe. 13 Vibes is our not so fast lightning round where we um, bring you the, where we share with our audience the most important things in existence, whatever they may be. Who wants to start? Who has Aaron, are you familiar with the with the pro, with the program here? I am. I am familiar with the program. Yes. Do you want to start? Do you have some ready, or do you need thinking time? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, let me. I want to hear. I, I want to hear what other people are saying first. So. Yeah, that's good. It's a good, smart move, Sam. You should start. Um, my first vibe is Zoom hats. Yeah. It's a bit of low-hanging fruit, but <laughs> I've never worn a hat on Zoom because I have a cool haircut and I want people to see it, <laughs> but. I've re but I'm I'm questioning everything. Noah has his grandfather's sick ass hat on. Rachel pulled up initially in the Zoom with like a Lauren Manugian um boucle <laughs> neck neck sweater cushion around her head. Aaron has an amazing fur tiger um newsboy cap situation. And um I just feel like I fucked up. I fucked up and I need to get some cool ass zoom hats. Do you even own a hat? You have like a couple dad hats. I have so I have a lot of dad hats. Rachel actually had it. There was an amazing moment. We were zooming with um, Brunello Cuccinelli, and Rachel had this this really big sort of um, conical Lauren Manugian hat on, um, and and Brunello sort of stopped the proceedings, and he like squinted into the Zoom screen, and he was like, "Your hat is so beautiful." <laughs> but he said, "No, he said." Molto buena capa. <laughs> when an anyway. Italian billionaire compliments your hat, that's when you know you've you've reached Done peak it. hat zoom. Yeah, definitely. I've got a vibe. I've my vibe is um, archival Versace. So I have been looking through all my fashion books for sexy fashion because I'm like, what has happened to sexy fashion? Will it ever come back? And I have a bunch of books about Versace and I've been looking through them and it's just amazing. Particularly this project he did where he just had various celebrities pose in Versace blankets. <laughs> and he just, he would return, Johnny Versace would just return to this idea like every couple of years. So from like 1990 to 1996, he would just have various people pose in these insane blankets. But he has all these, I mean, his men's blouses are really incredible. He made the greatest leather jackets probably of all time. 
really good stuff. All right. I have a really lame vibe that I prepared because I wanted to impress Aaron. And so this is sort of a show off vibe slash trying to relate to Aaron. So I tried to think of my three favorite albums that he might appreciate that listening to his album kind of made record. I say album, but Aaron says record. So I'm going to try to say record listening to his record made me kind of think of these three guys, but it's quite different because these are all from the seventies. Um, the first one is the Jim Sullivan record UFO, which is a, he was like some country musician that got lost in the desert and never appeared again. The next one is the John Prine album, John Prine, which is a self-titled. And so of course, Aaron's album is a take on a, you know, a, a, a Brady Bunch take on the self-titled concept. But now I think I'm getting it. I think it just means it's your best album. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And then the last one is um, John Phillips, who was, I think, the leader of Mamas and the Papas. Uh, yeah. His record, um, John the Wolf King of L.A. Do you know that one, Aaron? Yeah. I actually don't know that record. That's so good. Uh, that's, that's a new one for me. So I'm going to ch- thank you for the tip. Um, but uh, I just was, I, it seems to be like taken off streaming services so you might have to like youtube listen to it but it's worth it um that one actually was the one that i thought of most um when listening to uh one of your songs i can't maybe another lonely day um from the new record anyway that's my vibe three albums for for everyone to enjoy um any 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 time frankly all right Aaron, that's amazing. Fine, yeah, time for you. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna. Yeah, so I'm, I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go with um, something that I've that I've really been uh, loving on on streaming lately. Um, has anybody ever heard of a, a sh- uh, an Australian show called Kath and Kim? No, no. It's just this really. It's these two. It's these two women. Um, uh, from uh, comedians from Australia who uh, sort of play like uh, all these all these different uh, characters in the show, um, but uh, the the it's centered around their their mother and daughter relationship um, as Kath and Kim, and they're just sort of these like amazing Australian bogans. Um, so <laughs> it's it's really it's really really funny. Like if if you're um, I'm like I'm weirdly like a big Australian comedy fan. Um, there's a, there's a, there's sort of a legendary movie from Australia called the castle, um, which stars a, 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 a comedic legend from Australia named Michael Caton, Michael (laughs) Caton, which is spelled C-A-T-O-N. And he, in, in his, his big, his, his main tagline in the, in the, in the movie is straight to the pool room because he has this pool room where he keeps all his most prized possessions. Um, and so I actually, I actually have an autographed Michael Caton picture <laughs> that says Aaron straight to the pool room, eh, wow. Michael Caton? Um, so, so the idea is if he finds something like of significance, he's like straight to the pool room? Like Exactly, yeah. The, yeah. I, I it's going to... straight to the pool room right there. <laughs> that's his... That's his that's his whole deal. So yeah, it's, he's got, you know, he got like, he got a, he got a number one dad mug for father's day one year that's in the pool room, you know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of, yeah. 
Their, only the best your album is straight to the forum new album exactly yeah I, I've, I've already <laughs> signed a pick a copy of it for him and sent it off in the mail so <laughs> it'll end up in the pool room my next vibe is the goshi exfoliating towel <laughs> all right so goshi is a japanese brand of that as far as i can tell only makes exfoliating towels and they have these sort of like <laughs> long very very sort of rough um, things so this, so the exfoliating towel is, is super not my thing like I'm not like a loofah guy um, but Golf Wang collaborated with Goshi um, I think because Tyler the creator really really loves this brand of exfoliating towel I mean his skin is is really perfect so he's definitely doing something um, sort of unique to it and um, and you know Golf sent me one and I was like you know we all get sort of like random weird shit all the time from brands and, um, but I figured, okay, I'm gonna give this exfoliating towel a shot. If it works for Tyler, maybe it'll work for me. And I gotta say, it's kind of life, it's pretty life-changing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it has actually changed um, my skin or scrubbed away all the impurities um, that have been building up, but it won't, Goshi exfoliating it won't towel. The, it won't wash away the shame, Sam. No it won't wash away the shame, nothing no can, how hard but. But you look great. I mean, you are glowing. Thanks. Um, yeah. Thanks. As always, but especially today. Oh, is it my turn? Oh, blood oranges. Ooh. Blood yes. oranges. So no good. Really great. And the, actually the juice of a blood orange is really that like deep red, almost grapefruit color. They're also just a great, they're a great uh, breakfast food. They're a great dessert, perfect snack. Looks really cool to peel one on a Zoom. And they're just, there's something really luxurious, like, oh, it's blood orange season, you know? And maybe it only lasts for three weeks. Maybe it lasts for six months. I don't really know, but. It's a, like a winter, it's a peak winter kind of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, citrus is wintry in general for some reason. Why is that? I don't know. It does, I guess you get it from the Southern hemisphere where, when it's like really, pot and then sure. travel well to get here all right we're gonna have to look into that yeah. um <laughs> all right i'm passing going i'm passing the baton straight to aaron okay um i've got my my here's my vibe um sitting on pillows so if you'll notice yeah. like for 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 our like i've chosen this uh sort of you know lovely stitched um you Tropical. know kind of pillow yeah. yeah, sort of floral, um, but you know, I have I have others. Um, if I'm feeling a little more, if I'm feeling a little yeah. lighter, uh, something yeah. like this is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, sitting on pillows. I I highly I highly recommend sitting on pillows. You get a little more, uh, you know, height. It's nice to sort of see the room from another vantage point. Mm -hmm. You get sort of a new perspective, um, and uh, you know, it's also like. Yeah, you kind of get to the the you know you you I remember like you know those great scenes from cartoons you know where they'd be like you know somewhere in 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 the Middle East or something you'd have this beautiful rug and then there'd everybody be sitting on these extravagant pillows you know and it seemed very uh, you know glamorous especially for a cartoon so um, I, I try to try to employ a bit of cartoon glamour in the in the in my own uh, chairs if I can. Cartoons really are glamorous. Yeah. They really are. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the the one the Bugs Bunny opera ones. There are a couple oh. of different ones, but 
fantastic. Is that where the meme comes from? The Bugs Bunny wearing the tuxedo where he's like, I wish all of my blanks a very nice blank. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. A lot of good hats in those in those cartoons as yeah. well. Yeah. Aaron, thanks for uh, making a beautiful album and, and sharing it with the world and for um, being a guest on the 121st episode of Corporate Lunch. Man, thank you guys so much for having me. It's it's an honor. I I, I tune in on the reg, and uh, it it was it was really great to share some time with you today. The album is called Tashin Tashin Tashin. Where where can people find it, Aaron? Um, every, everywhere, uh, everywhere, uh, February fifth, um, and uh, uh, it will be available everywhere on vinyl on March. 19th all right let's do this again sometime this one was fun thanks you guys i sure right. appreciate it thanks Bye. 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 Bye.